Namaste. I hope the future is better than the music. So, <laughs> great pleasure to be with you today. So, I live in Switzerland, and my job is to speak about the future. It's very important to realize that the future is not something that we can predict. It's a future, something that we can have intuition about and hunches and ideas. And first of all, the future is not something that just happens to us. The future is defined by what we do today. Right? The future is something that we make. It's very interesting when I talk about my work and generally speaking what the future entails. Many people have this idea that you can kind of have a safe and easy future. But the reality is technology is absolutely changing everything in our lives, as we've just seen. And on the one hand, I look at technology, I look at uh, uh, digital data and cloud computing and all these things. And on the other hand, I look at what it means to be human. Because what is the good of great technology if we can't be human? We have a great example in social media. Amazing technology, lots of money being made by advertising, but social media has become a major issue as well. Not because of our kids but because of the way it changes opinions and the way that we receive information. So our mission in the future, especially in India, being such a large country where we know everybody is now connected, right? we need to make sure that we find a way of balancing the power of technology with the power of humanity. And I think what we're seeing right now in chat GPT and AI is what I call a Sputnik moment. Remember the Russians, when the Russians put the Sputnik? Americans freaked out. Because apparently the Russians were ready to go to Mars or whatever. And now, Microsoft, Google, and everybody wants to go to the moon with chat GPT. Do we realize, however, that we only went, allegedly, to the moon once? We didn't go back. So everything about space travel, of course, is making a big comeback now, but ChatGPT is kind of like this. It feels like a giant reset moment, but you know, first we have to go to the moon, okay? And we have to talk about what is real and what is not real, and separate the hype from the, from the, uh, from the truth. And you know, if you see the numbers in India, it's quite clear that India is now becoming a digital masterpiece, so to speak, right? Now we need to figure out what exactly are we doing with this? And if artificial intelligence is going to be used by what is now 800 million Indians that are connected, soon with 5G, what will they be doing? I can guarantee what they'll be doing is to pull out their mobile and speak to ChatGPT and ask questions about anything and expect that to be the right answer. Now, this would obviously be pathetic. Right? It's like Google Maps. We all use Google Maps, but we know, you know, it's sometimes not so accurate. We laugh about it and we, you know, we turn it off and it's a fact of life. It's not the truth. And when we look at opinions, it's hard to find the truth. Right? It's hard to find the definitive answer. There is no such thing as an answering machine. There's a search engine, that's great, because we make up our own mind. But an answering engine? That's, that's, that's un inconceivable that a technology would give us conclusive answers about everything. And so I want to ask you, what do you believe in? Do you believe in technology being better than humans? Uh, in other words, 
uh, we don't have real soldiers anymore. We have AI soldiers, and we don't have politicians. We have AI politicians, uh, which some people have suggested. What do you believe in? Do you believe in technology, or do you believe that we have to put the human inside and put the human over technology? Think about that for a second. I mean, in the end, technology is a tool like a hammer, and ChatGPT is a fancy hammer. A guy who builds a house with a hammer does not pray to the hammer. He may pray to the house, you know, that he has built, or the village he lives in. But the hammer is just a tool. If he does have a hammer, it's a problem. But you know, we have to make a difference between the tool and the purpose. Okay. That is a very important uh, definition, especially when we talk about education, for example, which I'll come in shortly. Really, what it comes down to is this: we're going to have to hyper collaborate to figure out what to do about this here in India, and I live in Switzerland, so in Europe, but on a global level, because. If we take artificial intelligence to its conclusions, it could, in some ways, become so powerful that we stop understanding what we are. And a lot of that is about technology. It's the question, basically, how do we use technology without it becoming too much? And uh, a mentor of mine, Buckminster Fuller, a futurist, he once said, "We are to be architects of the future, not its victims. We have to be architects of technology." To make it come out well for us, that is so important because we've seen many examples where we didn't do that. It didn't come out well. So I'll talk about what that means for AI. Also, why I think basically whether it's a good future or indeed a bad future has a lot to do with this: this kind of convergence of humans and machines as we're going into the future. And Callum talked about that in his talk. I believe that we should not converge with technology. I think we should use technology as a powerful tool to become more human, and that we must control technology, not to overpower us. I think this is a really important point, and I'll speak more about that in the next coming minutes. First, we have four exponential changes in technology. Obviously, the information technology, big data, cloud computing—that is an old hat happening everywhere. The next one is energy and climate technology, which India is a little bit lacking on. I will talk more about that in a minute. And biotechnology, synthetic materials, nanotechnology, and finally, this has taken a leap now: AI technology. You take all of, of those four things together, that is the future of business, economics, everything, in a nutshell. I mean, leaving apart, of course, humanity, right? But this is where business is going. This is the opportunity also for India, as among other places. For example, to make its mark, it's kind of late for India to become a leader in AI in the sense of Americans or Chinese, right? But India could be a leader in biotechnology, in climate technology. Many people have said the next 100 unicorns, billion-dollar companies, will all be in climate technology, because that's that's a very big issue that we're struggling with.、Right? So, if you take all these four together, that's kind of the roadmap for this future. Most important part, however, is this: How do we have that handshake between humans and machines? Who is actually in charge of this? What kind of rules should we have? Should we not allow certain things, like, for example, changing your body to be a cyborg, so you can work faster, longevity to be 150 years old, 
we're going to need this balance, safety, security, ethics, control, and trust. And these are very murky issues. You know, they're very muddy, ephemeral. I always say trust isn't digital. We can't generate trust by having a digital tool, and we can't download happiness. Right? These are things that are human, very difficult. So most important is. What is the sense of technology? What is it supposed to do? Why are we using it? Why are we not using it? And that is the question that we must ask about AI. What is the purpose of artificial intelligence? Is it to make business faster, reduce the overhead, create new jobs, destroy old jobs? That is the key question. So. I believe that we have a future that could be amazing. It could be a kind of nirvana, a heaven, right? Or it could be hell, depending on what we decide, right? Heaven or hell. Here, I'll give you one argument for heaven. That would be, for example,、uh, self-sufficiency and productivity increases by offloading commodity jobs, by helping people to accelerate research. That's the good part of technology. For example, we can probably solve cancer in the next two decades. Using artificial intelligence and cloud biology, probably solve in the sense of prevent, not heal. Right? But you know that's a that's a pretty tall story here. On the other side, we have the not so good things. We have all of those. We have alternate realities, illusions, hallucinations, unpredictable bias, errors, automation of humans.、Right? We have a whole list of things that aren't so good. So what we shouldn't be doing is to go into the future and say, "Oh, I'm worried. We'll do none of it." That option doesn't exist.、Okay. What we have to do is to say we're going to try to get the benefits and limit the negative things, like we didn't do in oil and gas and coal. We just used it because it was there and it worked, and now we have the result. We're going to have to work very hard for 20 years so that your kids can live in a world that doesn't go towards five degrees global warming. 20 years because of the action that we didn't take. So if we compare this, let's start with a simple definition. P- people think of AI as Hollywood or Nollywood, as you would say here, right? Or Nettywood, whatever, Bollywood, right? So you would say these kind of things are what we think about AI, but of course that's far from it. Simple definition here is: it's information systems that turn information and data into knowledge. Now, if you're in education, you're thinking about knowledge. Isn't that what humans do?、Right? These systems here—they're not intelligent. Whether it's the car or the automated medical system, digital therapeutics—they're not human. They're not doctors. They're not drivers. In fact, we don't really have any self-driving cars. Occasionally, we can look at one, right? But we have a lot of driving assistants. So here's the rule for your future: you should write this down because a person professional with an AI will beat the person without the AI, but the AI will not beat the person. It's important to remember: a person without tools, without weapons, if you wish. Right, will beat the person without. It's obvious, and it's been always like this. And right now, the most,、uh, the toughest thing that's happening is that machine learning and deep learning is exploding, as we see now in ChatGPT. I'll show some examples. So I figured, rather than explaining what ChatGPT is, which I think you already know now, but it's a large language model that creates synthetic information. Synthetic, right? 
That means not organic. Synthetic means made-up stories, made-up videos, made-up images. That can be very enlightening and interesting, but nevertheless, they're not organic like from a human. Show you a short trailer here. GPT-4 is the latest AI system from OpenAI, the lab that created Dolly and ChatGPT. GPT-4 is a breakthrough in problem-solving capabilities. For example, you can ask it how you would clean the inside of a tank filled with piranhas, and it'll give you something useful. It can also read, analyze, or generate up to 25,000 words of text. It can write code in all major programming languages. And in under... Well, you get the point. You know, a tank full of piranhas is a very uh, first-world problem, but nevertheless, it's a, it's a good example. Right? So it can do a lot of things that we used to do. It can make a website, it can write code, it can translate. I'll show more examples of that. It's powerful, and I use it all the time. What it isn't is anywhere close to sentient or human or aware. And I show you why that is. Basically, the way I look at it is like this. This, to me, is ChatGPT. The generative pre-trained transformer is a machine that goes out and looks for logical conclusions to a question. Is looking at a very large repertoire of words and sentences. Here's the best illustration from this guy on YouTube, Marquise Brownlee, right? He says, what does a quick brown fox do? Look for plausible answers, and boom, the big brown fox lazy jumps over the lazy dog. That's the answer. Right? It's an autocomplete. That's really what it is. It's a language model. It doesn't know what a fox is. It doesn't know why the fox is smarter than the dog. Any of these things. It just finds an answer. And when we look at this, you know, some people have joked that ChatGPT and AI is kind of like a parrot, right? A fancy parrot. It can just make answers like a parrot, but it's still a parrot. Occasionally speaks nonsense, but it's not a cutie bird. So, nevertheless, I figured I should try it. Okay, so before I came here, I asked ChatGPT about what I should say. You know, this is what lazy futurists do, right? And I asked it about India. It's hard to read. What's so great about Digital India Initiative? And he gave me a couple of interesting bubbles. They're very hard to read here. But improved connectivity, enhanced public services, you know, the regular story. Then I asked it again about how AI could help India. That was really interesting. It came up with healthcare to improve diagnostics, agriculture, education, which I don't believe, but infrastructure. The best part was this. I asked ChatGPT whether I am the good guy to speak to you. And it said yes, which I was happy about. I guess that's why I like ChatGPT. And then I asked him, what should I look like in India? And it said, you should look like this. Not like a bloody German, just kidding, but more like Elon Musk. So it gave me this, and that was very interesting, using an AI. And then I, uh, I do translation sometimes. I have this tool that is easily translatable into 15 languages when I write emails. So next time you write to me in Hindi, I can respond, and I can, you know, the tool can do that. That's pretty funny, and it, it's a good gadget. Right? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Aiden, and I'm thrilled to be here with you tonight. Let me share a little about myself and an important message. I was created by an individual who realizing the potential of AI, used mid-journey to bring me to life. So this is a clip of a guy who had the text made up by an AI, the video made by an AI, the whole composition was made by an AI, a video about himself. And the voice is also AI. 
So if you're really lazy, that's your future. Right? So if you're looking to get married, you send your proposal like this, you know,、uh, you know, something like that. But what I really like about、uh, AI that I use is a thing called pseudo-write. I wrote a book called Technology versus Humanity, and I'm looking to rewrite it. And because I'm German originally, I write long sentences that are convoluted, not very good English. So I, I ask the app to fix up my text, and it gives me rewrite instructions. Now, pseudo-write is a great tool for writers, but garbage in, garbage out, right? That's basically what it does. So if you're a journalist, you put garbage in, you'll get more garbage out. Sometimes it's improved slightly, but it's still the same garbage. Okay. My book isn't garbage, thankfully. So I'm just trying to figure out how to write it better. So it's a good tool for that. For me, it's a power tool that I use to make my life easier and better. And then I made a video before I came here to make me look more like, you know, like on Times Television, I guess. So looks like this. But then I found other guys who are using it for Hollywood productions. This is a bunch of Disney producers. Talking about how they、oh, use AI. Look at the lighting, too. That's crazy. This is AI. This is AI, <laughs> amongst many other things. No! AI, no. Alex, we're out of a job. Everybody, <laughs> every TD's out of a job. So now、this、you can use a little bit. You can use this app called Runway AI, and it will make motion picture snippets for you. But then again, these are famous、uh, Disney producers. They're putting in their quality work to make it better. Right? It's completely different than not knowing anything about films. But we're just now opening the floodgate. Imagine right now you're typing, right? But very soon we're going to speak to this AI. We're going to ask it questions. We're going to look for whatever we are looking for by speaking. Imagine what will happen if those answers are taken for real, like Google Maps, right? I mean, it could be heaven or it could be hell. I mean, if you're looking for your camera to work when you're connecting it to the computer, yeah, you get a simple answer. It's good for that.、Right? But you're looking for other more sort of opinions. I'm not so sure it would be the right thing to have this. Science fiction, science fact, also means now we have people making robots that have AI that are called humanoid robots. I don't know what you think about this, but this is an app called Amica, a, a, a bot, right? This is Samsung Neon. Which is a Samsung device that you put in the store to sell to people, like kind of a, kind of a hologram kind of idea.、Right? And of course, all you guys know Netflix a movie called Humans, where we have artificial humans. This is what companies are now doing. They're building robots that have ChatGPT, and that are you know million-dollar robots, so we can speak to them as if they were real. To that, I would say, too much of a good thing can be a very bad thing.、Right? It doesn't strike me as a very good idea to do that, and I explain why exactly that is. But I say at this point, here's the main problem: if you're looking for profit and growth, senseless AI will give you that, just like senseless social media, worthless social media. It will give you advertising dollars. This is the only reason that we have social media today. It's an AI that makes advertising dollars. And that is why it's failing. It's dehuman. Social media has become dehumanized. It's a machine, right? That regurgitates our data to put it back into reality. What we need is a shift of paradigm. What we want to go beyond profit and growth: people, planet, purpose, and prosperity. Not just growth. 
If we're looking for just growth, we're going to implode roughly 2050. We're going to go, as I'm sure Callum told you about, to be like a machine. Because that's how we have unlimited growth, right? So if you worship unlimited growth, that's your direction. What we need is a holistic approach to the future. Benefit to people, benefit to society, benefit to the planet, benefit to the economy. Right? That's what should rule our AI policies. In Europe, the European Commission has been doing a pretty good job, I find, at kind of trying to regulate this. It's complicated, because what we don't want is we don't want researchers and scientists to stop searching or go to China, like they're going anyway, right? or go to America. Right? We want to keep them here. So we need to have a fine line between those two things. And most importantly, you know, when we look at AI and you know, the idea of a thinking machine, right? that's really what we're looking for, Sam Altman, who's the CEO of OpenAI, he says, the coming change will center around the most impressive, the phenomenal ability to think, create, understand, and reason. Now I ask you, do you want your computer to create, think, and reason? Why would we want that? I think it's a stupid idea. I want my computer to get the job done. I want it to be competent, not conscious. I don't give a damn if it's conscience or if it has thoughts. I want to get the job done. It's a machine for crying. Yeah? It's a machine that I want to use. So then he says, okay, all that stuff is really good, but in the end, the AI revolution, and there will be uh, enough wealth generated for everyone. This is Sam, you know, the CEO of OpenAI. This is a typical American pipe dream. Right? Technology will create wealth for everyone because, you know, it just does. But it doesn't. It creates the potential of revenues for everyone. The rest is up to us. Right? It's our policy. It's our infrastructure. It's everything that we do that creates prosperity. That's why I'm wondering right, if we as a society manage it responsibly. That's his last sentence. This is where we're lacking. We're not lacking on science and technology. <laughs> we're lacking on this. Imagine a machine that has an IQ of one billion that does this looks at the world, looks at your mobile phone, looks at your data, understands the world as data. How would we ever think that we could control this machine? And how do we go about it? And how far should we take it? So very, very big questions that come up here, I think, ultimately, in this whole conversation about AI. And then I'm wondering, what is the prism, the lens, that we see the future? To which lens will we see the world when AI makes the world, when AI makes the Times magazine, when AI writes the copy that you get in email, when AI looks for your partner and arranges your marriage like it's already doing in India, right? Where are we going to end up? I tell you, we're going to end up marrying an AI. Right? It's convenient. Right? And taking a shortcut. I mean, why bother with the real thing when we can have a simplification? Who will be in charge? If most content is synthetic, how do we know what's real? So that is something we have to think about. I think we have to rehumanize things, use the AI as a powerful tool, but bring the humans back into media, journalism, television. Right? And I think we should have the digital companies pay a tax, right? essentially a windfall tax. You know, some companies, I will not mention who, make $150 million profit every single day from social media. Right? That's called digital oil. 
You know, the oil companies make two billion a day, which is, you know, also a nice little amount, but social media is the next digital oil. And the other thing that should be of great concern to you and me is the content of what we're going to get is from America. Do you think the 367 languages of India are included in the database of this? No. They don't care about what kind of content and thinking, spirituality, whatever you've got, is in the box. No, it's not. It's mainstream Wikipedia. We're not going to be included, Europeans, with what we've written because of other languages. And eventually that will be fixed. But, you know, right now this is what we have. So here's the thing, right? When we look at machines, it's very clear that machines see the world minus 90%. Right? Because they only see the data. How do you see the world? You have eyes, you have ears, you have feelings, you have emotions, you're complete. Machines are not. Why would we ask a machine for an advice that's view of the real world is 90% off? I mean, that strikes me as potentially difficult. Algorithms know the logic of everything, but the feeling of nothing. What matters to us, humans, right? We're still human in this room for now. Right? Engagement, experience, relationships. That's it. Does the AI know any of this? It can analyze it, simulate it, but knowing, understanding, not really. This is what we are, right? We are called all sensing. That's what we do every single day. I meet you in the hallway, it takes me 20 milliseconds to figure out if your potential enemy, partner, you know, interesting, 20 milliseconds. That's what we do. And we get this from an AI that we're going to ask for advice about real life that knows a fraction of our universe. So the Rolling Stones, my good friend Mick Jagger, just kidding. I can't play the music because if I play the music, we get banned on YouTube. But it's a song called Start Me Up. I'm not going to sing it for you, but that's what it is. You can see it on YouTube. It's Boston Dynamics and Start Me Up. What is the interesting thing about this is not the damn bot, the Boston Robotics. It is really cool. The cool thing is Mick Jagger, 74 years old, doing this. The human. The other part I can say, yeah, okay, great simulation. Probably took five years to train this machine and it was cut together in such a way where it would be safe for Mick to do this. Key points here that we can learn. Learning is not just downloading information. These machines are downloading information. We don't do that. At least we shouldn't. Right? And intelligence is not just data, not just processing. Humans don't think with the brain. We think with the body. I mean, everybody, every psychologist knows this, right? And we don't think here. We don't think left, right, brain, there's no such thing. We're much more complete. Speaking is not the same as thinking. It's far away, right? Language is a bad model for reality. It's just a little piece of reality. Humans aren't binary. Real life transcends data. Most important, logic alone is not enough. If we're going to rely on logic to solve our problems, we're in deep trouble. You know what would happen if we ask an AI to fix the climate problem? Right? Do you know what would happen? The AI would say, kill all humans. That's how you fix the climate problem the quickest. It's logical, right? It's kind of inconvenient for us, but that's what would happen with an AI. So, let's get to the bottom of this. Human intelligence includes those four things, social, intellectual,
kinesthetic, emotional. Right? In Western philosophy, there's, a, there's eight in total. In your philosophy, or yogi, yogi philosophy, I'll skip the sentence here, it's actually all of these, uh, manas, sensory mind, chitta, the storehouse of memory, that's the computer, right? ahamkara, the sense of self, and buddhi. Will a machine ever understand any of these things? Do we want it to understand any of these things? No, we don't. We want the machine to get the job done. The routine job, the commodity job, the simple job. So many of you will be out of your vocation unless you do something that a damn machine cannot do. All of you should gear yourself for this now. You must be able to do something beyond your intellect. Human being has many layers of intelligence. Intellect is only a small part of it. Right now our education system is completely dedicated to intellectual development of the human being and we think that's the grandest way to live. No, it is not. We can explore that if we have the time. But in the yogic way of looking at things, we look at human intelligence as sixteen parts. If you explore other dimensions… Thank you Sadhguru for making this appearance. Beyond intellect, robots have logic, they understand, read everything, but we have to go beyond intellect, beyond your routine. This is the key problem. Machines are capable of doing pretty much any routine very soon. Like reading things, financial analysis, flying, driving a car to some degree. You see here 3D printing, a house printed by a machine. You, you see the Zook, a self-driving car in San Francisco. Right? You see here the uh, Amazon robot that unloads the truck, which was impossible until la last year. You see this one is a ChatGPT um, application that builds websites. So the story is anything that's routine will be done by machine as long as it doesn't require human interference. And there's a lot of that. Right? That's why we don't have self-driving cars really. Right? But do not let your kids learn a routine or study for a routine. The bottom line of this really is if you work like a robot, a robot will take your job. And that is a big deal for India. Not to say that many people work like robots, but there's a lot of commodity jobs. I'll have a list for you shortly. We got to think about this. In Switzerland, seven million people is like a suburb of Delhi, you know. But we don't have that problem in that size. But all of a sudden, we have to think about this. This, uh, I asked again, ChatGPT, because you know, you can ask the boss anything. So, give me a markdown table of all the jobs replaced by uh, AI in India. Data entry clerks, customer support, manufacturing line workers, bank tellers, retail cashiers. Do you know how many people work in, that, in those businesses in India? I looked at it, 71 million. That's what ChatGPT says about those jobs. Okay. So, we now we have to think about what does it actually mean? It also means for education, if you learn like a robot, you'll end up working for them. We shouldn't let our kids learn download information for later. We need to get them to be entrepreneurial. So this pyramid of work that I've used many times and it's really been proven very nice to work for most of us, is we have to think about moving up this Maslow pyramid because the lower part is computing power. That's machine turf. ChatGPT, basic knowledge, data, information. We have to move up that pyramid to what I call the human-only turf. That is so important for national policy on education. 
it doesn't help us to crank out, I think India cranks out 1.1 million engineers a year. Where are many of those engineers? They're down here. How are they going to have a job when we have more machines doing the commodity work? Look at these numbers here, 120 million jobs to be automated in India, according to this research. For me, it means many new jobs will be happening, for example, in climate change and in areas related to technology. So it's not all bad news. But clearly, we have to think about alternatives. So this is what we have to learn in school and on work, right? Human agency, consciousness, inspiration, intuition, compassion, empowerment. You know, the stuff that we don't learn at school. <laughs> that's our future. And that's what we're going to need to keep up with AI. We don't need to keep up with AI by connecting our brain to the Internet. We need more of this. I have to come to a conclusion, so I'm going to, I'm going to start here and say, basically what's happening is that technology as we know it doesn't have ethics. Well, it's a machine, right? It's, a, it's an algorithm. So we couldn't expect it to have that. But we can't expect technology to understand what we want, our values, our needs, our experiences, our spiritual beliefs, all these things. Computers don't care about that. They don't know what it means. And uh, ethics is really the definition of knowing what you have the right or the power to do and what is the right thing to do. And that is the key question. So once we get to general intelligence, will these machines understand or respect that, what we want as humans? That is the key question, and that is, of course, the key realization why I think we're going to have to have a kind of moratorium on general intelligence. Why India and China and Russia and America and Europe have to collaborate to figure out what to do about intelligent machines. That's why many countries I have advised them to start and build a Humanity Future Council. I used to call it the Digital Ethics Council, but it's kind of convoluted. This is better. Right? A council of the wise people who says, you know, then we should be thinking about that. So India may become a digital leader in terms of using the Internet. But the next step is to lead this. It's not enough to just have more technology. Now, more connectivity doesn't just save the day because you can now connect. You know, that's just the very first step. So when we look at the future, many people are worried. I don't know about your kids, but in Europe, 72% of kids between, I say kids, between 20 and 40 <laughs> are worried about the future. Their future is going to be worse than what they have today. My own kids are saying that. I try to help them, but you know, it's hard. And part of that, say, research shows, 53% of people think that social media is a net negative to society. Nevertheless, of course, we are using it. Now, what we shouldn't be doing is, we should not AI become a net negative to society. How will AI become a net positive to society? That's the question. Not how can we stop using it, there's really no such thing. Here's the question for India. A future-fit India, will it use the incredible power of all of these technologies to create collective, holistic benefit for all citizens? Not just for the military, not for the stock market, not for venture capitalists, <laughs> but for everybody. And that is a tough mission. We've got to think about what that means. It doesn't just mean connecting people to the Internet. It goes a lot further than that. It also means attracting people back to India to build those ecosystems. All the bright people of India, you know, Satya Nadeya, right? 
He's from India, as far as I know. And, of course, all the other chiefs in Silicon Valley, many of them from India. So, basically what's happening is here, we have to figure out how can we stop this bad progression, right? Magic technology, manic users, toxic society. Again, that's the principle of social media, basically. Right? Creating poison. So what we have to think about, how can we avoid this for AI? And as a digital leader, I think India must look beyond the short-term business gains. What would actually be a good policy to power the functions of this society using artificial intelligence? That is the key question. That's also the key question to revenues, of course, and the future. And I would propose this. Okay? We should all take a technocratic oath, like the doctor, a Hippocratic oath. And this oath says, I hereby pledge to place humanity over technology in every instance. I think when we do that, easier said than done, right? I get to that choice all the time when I have to go and think about what clients I will speak for. Right? Make that choice over technology. I think if we had technology companies making that choice, we would probably have a different reality now as far as ChatGPT is concerned. Right? in terms of what, what it's doing and which way it's going. So I'll wrap up with the final message from my book and my film. Right? We should embrace technology, but not become technology. When you become technology, you become a commodity. And who wants to be a commodity? I wish you all the best, and I'll see you in the future. Thank you. Thank you.